The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. We're going to kick things off as we do every day with our afternoon update, catching you up on all that has happened, the stories that matter most. And joining me for the afternoon update today, Elaine Lachlan, the political reporter with the Irish Examiner, and David Davenpower, the journalist and columnist. You're both very welcome, folks. Um, so, Elaine, I'm not sure if white smoke over Stormont is the right turn of phrase to use, given the history of those six counties, but we have it nonetheless. Yeah, we have a bit of positivity uh, from Stormont and the DUP today agreeing to finally go into power sharing, um, which I think Sinn Féin will be uh, celebrating probably more than the DUP, because obviously we will have a Sinn Féin First Minister for the first time ever if this does go ahead and and with Northern Ireland, and I'm sure David has covered it over the years, you can never uh, say that a deal is done until you actually see uh, those people sitting in Stormont, uh, probably shouting over uh, across at each other, but still sitting together in one chamber. So um, we will wait and see. But obviously that was a really positive uh, decision that came about at around 1am, I think, uh, from the DUP. David, is, is this a done deal or are there still hurdles that need to be jumped? Well, I spent 10 years uh, living in Belfast reporting on Northern Ireland uh, as I tell people all for something I didn't do. And, uh, <laughs> the, um, so I, I've kept a pretty keen interest in this. Uh, there'll be plenty of twists and turns before uh, the um, uh, executive was up and running smoothly. Um, the, 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 this was a hotly contested meeting last night enlivened, as you probably heard, by um, a, a dissident loyalist blogger, the great Jamie Bryson, uh, live tweeting the... Uh, this is slightly inside baseball now, you know, mm. people who are into this. I got great entertainment out it was of very, that. It was very bizarre. I had I to think. stop and get petrol on the way home and I, I sat in the car for about 10 minutes just reading <laughs> updates from him in yeah, the third well, person. I mean, I do, just in case <laughs> people aren't up to speed with it, this was a, a dissident loyalist, an interesting character called Jamie Bryson, who appears to have had a mole or maybe even a bug in the meeting uh, to the extent that he who was able to share with his followers on Twitter the top secret proceedings from the DUP meeting, much to the discomfiture of of uh, Donaldson et al. But look, I mean, they, 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 they got it over the line in the party. There's a lot of focus on what he said this morning. He said now, Donaldson said there'll be zero checks and zero customs paperwork on goods destined for Northern Ireland from Great Britain. Uh, that's a big concession in mm-hmm. terms of the Windsor framework. Uh, Rishi Sunak's office hasn't commented uh, the EU hasn't commented. Their spokesman, Dar- Daniel Ferry, said, uh, you know, they need to see it in black and white. That's that's an interesting one. Mm. Uh, but, you know, my uh, my ultimate observation really is that getting the executive up and running, getting the assembly back in action again will mean nothing unless there's some kind of reform that will stop this happening again. Because, you know, the assembly has effectively been in mothballs more often than it's been sitting because mm. many would feel that the two main parties, Sinn Féin and now the DUP, uh, were handed a huge stick by the two governments in the St. Andrews Agreement, where they effectively have the whip hand in running Northern Ireland. Uh, and as David Cameron once noted, you might have wanted a shared society in the North, but what you got was a shared out society. Uh, uh, what significance will the Assembly getting back up and running have on politics in the 26 counties, Elaine, if any? 
Well, certainly it uh, makes it more of a possibility of having a Sinn Féin leader both north and south of the border because we will have, if that assembly does get up and running, and I think there are many twists and turns to come. And as David pointed out, Downing Street being silent today on that, they basically said uh, that they wouldn't confirm uh, that and it wouldn't be helpful to get into the details. So perhaps Donaldson <laughs> is an being... an ominous thing to say, isn't it? Uh, yeah, well, perhaps they're letting uh, the DUP be a bit liberal with mm. the story that they put out in order to get their members on board. And actually, if you were following that that ex-tread last night, you will have learned that there was only one person in the room who actually knows how the votes were divided. So uh, I think Jeffrey Donaldson is looking at a divided party. We don't know to what extent, but certainly there will have been people in that room who did not want to go ahead with this scenario this morning. Um, so that would be interesting. But going back to your question about the 26 counties, certainly if you have a Sinn Féin leader in Northern Ireland and we possibly are looking at general elections in the coming months, what month when? that is to be. Well, when do that, you think? We were just discussing that as we came on air and it really is uh, a choice for the Taoiseach and uh, he has remained tight-lipped on it to date. So... I'd say the shortest odds you might get would probably be in the in in autumn sometime at the moment. Should he go sooner though, David? Well, a few I'm, polls I'm, in a row now that uh, Sinn Féin seem to be um, stuttering. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm of the view that you know what's the point in giving uh, the opposition the uh, the local elections as a as a booster because Sinn Féin are bound to do bound to do well in the local elections. I mean. If Leo had the bottle, he'd have all the elections on the same day. Now, there's a, a downside there, as Elaine and I were discussing outside. Uh, you know, sometimes people give the government a kicking and say the European elections and the local elections, the third ballot paper is the one that matters. They say, oh, well, sure, I'll go for the treble and give them a kicking in the general elections. Uh, <laughs> so that, that is obviously uh, uh, something. But look, I mean... One of the problems is that he has to uh, consult Michal Martin on the timing of the election. Otherwise, there'll be no transfer pact in the subsequent uh, mm. uh, poll. So, who knows? Who knows? The autumn, I suppose, is the most likely. Uh, I know I, on News Talk some time ago, my colleague John Lee was saying they will definitely run their distance into the new year. But I have my I had the strongest doubts about that. All right. OK. Well, listen, we'll stick with uh, news from the government because... Um, a number of statements been made in the Dáil today, Elaine, about um, migration policy and the asylum process in this country. So a couple of countries added to the so-called safe list. Uh, these are countries uh, whereby people who arrive here claiming asylum, if they are from uh, wherever it happens to be, Georgia is a country on the safe list. It's an expedited process, isn't that it? It's, the decision is made much quicker. Yes, and there were eight countries on that list up until today. Cabinet agreed to add Algeria and Botswana to okay. this list of safe countries. So what effectively it means is applications of people uh, from those countries are decided within 90 days. So you will get told whether you have uh, permission to stay or whether you will be deported. Now, it's important to say that last year there was 750 deportation orders. 80 of those were enforced. Um, Government officials will say that the vast majority of the remainder uh, within that group left by themselves. Which brings us on to the other story. So charter flights. Yes. Um, So again, the government... We don't need them according to the government last week. Mm, well, people are going home of their own volition. I mean, if, if that's true, we're going to have empty charter flights. Well, the government is certainly looking into this. And again, this was discussed at Cabinet today. So they do seem 
to feel like they need to explore this at the very least uh, and to regularise it is the word used after COVID. Um, what happens at the moment is people are put on your regular commercial mm. flights or in some cases other uh, charter flights from other countries. So you might be sent to the UK or to France and then you will get on a, a specific flight that, that that government has chartered. But we don't have our own charters at the moment. David, it's such a charged issue that people would have kind of strong views on this. Like On the one hand, the government are just talking about enforcing the law, so I don't know how anyone can have a problem with it. But, I mean, they did say last week that people are are, are, are following the deportation orders of their own volition. So either that will be proved to have been false or we will have empty charter flights. But there, there does seem to be a, 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 a vacuum of hard and fast information. I mean, the government say uh, that only 80 of the 750 orders were enforced and they suggest that the rest of them just vanished into the night. But there's no there's no, no proof of that, unfortunately, from the government's point of view. They can't say that with certainty. Um, so I think the government is trying to look busy on this whole issue. You've got the announcement they're going to provide, there'll be government-provided immigration centres, uh, more countries being added to the safe list, uh, and now this eye-catching idea of charter flights to show that the government is really waking up uh, to this. Um, you know, it all... Do you suspect this is kind of partly optics with the with, 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 with the general election? At some Somewhere on the horizon, they know migration is going to be an issue uh, in that uh, election. Yeah, well, optics... They're arming look, themselves in advance. Always, all, in, a, in a highly charged... Uh, uh, on a highly tar- charged issue like that with uh, uh, um, uh, an election on the horizon, uh, obviously optics will play a part, yes. Elaine, what do government members say to the charge that they are uh, they are taking a more robust stance on migration? Because uh, in, in public what they say is they're not, you know what I mean? We have a rules-based system and we're just enforcing those rules. Yeah. I'll, I'll Behind the scenes, do they accept that they are taking a more robust approach than in times past? Well, certainly we have from, I think the government hopes from the beginning of next month, we'll have a different uh, set of rules for Ukrainians who come in here and uh, Ukrainians who arrive into the country will only be offered 90 days accommodation. So that's certainly a harder stance. Interestingly enough, though, there was another set of numbers and I know we've been talking about stats and numbers a lot, but uh, we did learn today that 628 Ukrainians arrived into the country last week. That was a jump from 390 390 the previous week. So we don't know the reasons for that. Okay. Certainly. Um, some people had talked about a, a, a drop in the numbers on foot of that announcement, but it seems like they've kind of gone back up. Yeah. A bit quick maybe to claim. Yeah. And without be an interviewing impact. each and every one of those people who arrived in last week, we've no reason to believe that they're trying to get in ahead of the new rule changes. But uh, it'll be interesting to see if that happens again next week and perhaps if there's a drop after the new uh, accommodation rules come into place. Um, yeah, I think my understanding is there was certainly long term drops in the number of asylum seekers coming from countries like Georgia once they were designated safe. So yes. there does seem to be a tangible impact in terms of designating a country safe, uh, which isn't to say that nobody who comes here claiming asylum gets asylum. I think it's a, about 40 percent, I think, of people who come from a so-called safe country, still uh, uh, have their asylum application approved. So anyway, listen, that is uh, an issue I suspect we're going to be talking about uh, more and more um, over the year ahead. Um, A couple of other stories I just wanted to uh, get your take on. Um, One of them is the VHI raising prices by 7%. And it kind of comes at a time, David, when, when... prices are beginning to kind of trend downwards in other areas. You know what I mean? People's fuel prices on the way back down. Grocery prices have levelled off. 
people this month just gone by in January would have seen a slight bump in their take-home pay on foot of budget 2024. Uh, all of those benefits can kind of disappear overnight with something like this. Well, I think... Uh uh, I'm open to correction, but I think health infl- inflation has remained stubbornly high, and this is more of it. Uh, I mean, there are, as you say, sectors where you know things have been getting cheaper, basically, and quite dramatically so in some cases. Um, but health is one area where uh, prices have been going up and go- going up quite alarmingly, and I think this is reflected in the VHI rates. Um, it's going to mean quite for people with, uh, with with generous VHI cover. It's going to mean you know double figure uh, increases in their yeah. monthly uh, in the monthly premium. So it's going to bite. Um, but you know, I mean, I suspect that a lot of people with VHI, I suspect it's quite inelastic, if you will. The the, the idea of having VHI cover, people will just suck it up. Yeah, They're not going to cancel their their health insurance premium. It's not just VHI, you know, we're just talking about them because they're the yeah. they put up their prices. But I think in health insurance generally, once people take it out, they just tend to suck it up when the premiums rise. I think they accept as well that what causes inflation in other sectors, Elena, what has caused it over the last kind of 24 months, it, there are different issues when it comes to health. What's causing health inflation is that we're living longer. Mm-hmm. We have an ageing population. The population's getting bigger and there's more and more medical intervention mm-hmm. becoming available. So this isn't anything to do with kind of Russia's invasion of Ukraine or ships getting mm-hmm. stuck in the Suez Canal. This is, this is a feature of life that we're just going to have to deal with. Well, unless the government takes action and, and introduces a universal free healthcare model. Slums. Uh, oh, what's that word? I can't, anyway, off the top, I can't remember it. So it does really... I think we're three years away from Slaunch Care, actually. Are. We shouldn't laugh. I mean, it's it's, yeah. it's going to happen. We're only three years from the 10-year plan coming to fruition. Yeah, well, David said you do, you have to suck it up because if you are lucky enough to be able to afford private healthcare uh, at the moment, you know the minute you cancel your policy, you're back down to a different, a very, very different service service, mm. very, very different wait times and potentially a very, very different outcome um, because you will be waiting significantly longer to see your consultant to get that treatment. Um, and and that's where we're at. That's why we are sucking up these massive increases. Mm. Peter two, Boylan. The two-tier health system is still thriving, I'm afraid. It is. Uh, Peter Boylan actually happens to be on the soapbox at six today. Uh, Dr. Peter Boylan talking about Care. Uh, so an opportune time for him uh, to be joining us. Uh, that's a little bit later. Uh, St. Patrick's Day, the plans have been announced. So we know what the theme of this year's festival is. I'll give either of you 100 quid if you can tell me the theme of the last three St. Patrick's Day festivals. Keep the economy going. Was that one of them? Keep the <laughs> economy <getting>? going. <laughs> yeah. Pascal Donoghue is punching the air with delight. I think that was his yeah. message in the last general I election, was it? was an election slogan, <laughs> all right. Well, I'm a Patrick's Day Grinch. You know, I've avoided Patrick's Day uh, the last couple of years. Last year, we discovered that this, this fabulous fireworks festival in Valencia that just happens to coincide with the 17th of March. So we decamped there. Oh, wow. Yeah, something else. And what are they celebrating? They're not celebrating anything. (laughs) Can I digress for a second? It's just an incredible weekend. Every district in the area makes these enormous paper mache figures, vast things the size of the studio here. Yeah. Uh, And there's fireworks everywhere. The kids come out. They have little wooden boxes uh, with leather straps. A four-year-old puts into boxes fireworks, letting off fireworks in the street and in restaurants (laughs) and all the rest. What do they do at the end of the weekend? 
they burn all these huge paper mache figures. Oh, this sounds great. Uh, it's unbelievable. Absolutely. Are you going again? Uh, well, I don't think we're going this year. I think something has come up, but uh, we sir, I can certainly recommend it. Look, Patrick's Day here... Um, it's fine, okay? But it's, not, say, it's not for my demographic. or spark is this year's mm. theme. It's not Remember, really I'll my, ask you next year. It's not really for my demographic. It's more for youngsters like uh, Elaine there. You know? Oh, so Elaine, <laughs> you, you obviously will be <laughs> down there. I young, but thank you for the compliment. <laughs> um, yeah, and look, this is something that to take their theme of this year that sparks a bit of controversy every year. We hear of ministers flying here, there and everywhere. And this year, 86 cities across 48 countries will be visited we know that the Taoiseach, as usual, will be going to the White House. This year, that's controversial enough in itself because you have a number of uh, groups and organisations saying that it's not poss- probably or maybe right to do it in the context of the Israeli-Gaza situation and the stance that the US is taking. Um, nevertheless, that trip is going ahead and uh, Boston will be a tag on. 2016, it was Enda Kenny's manifesto. Keep okay. the recovery going. Oh, there we that, go. That's what, that's what it was from. Uh, um, I think Simon Coveney, who's Minister now for Business, Enterprise, Trade and Employment, uh, is going to India and Bangladesh. And the Minister is going to be joining us a little bit later. Not to talk about that, but to talk about uh, the very first thing that the three of us spoke about, which is a power sharing, hopefully getting back up and running uh, in Northern Ireland. In the meantime, uh, Elaine Lockdown, political reporter with the Irish Examiner. Thank you very much. David Davenpower, journalist and columnist. Thank you as well. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.